It is the Sleepers Podcast. It's Tuesday, January 16th. And this is the first episode this week, Art, not the second, unfortunately. We had no Monday episode, took a day off to rest up from the Lions celebration that we both endured on Sunday. How you feeling, champ? Uh, my voice is definitely still a little hoarse. I got to keep it at a, a certain level uh, to prevent it from cracking on this episode. But look, I don't expect anyone listening to this to understand what it feels like to you know, win 12 games in a season, win a division title, win your first home playoff game in 30 years. I don't expect y'all to know what that feels like. That's what I feel like, but I don't expect y'all to do that. So if there's any questions about when we're recording, how we're recording, you can ask them. I'm probably not going to answer them at this point. Um, I'm not the position or the place in my life to concern myself with non-division champion, non-first home playoff win in 30-year activity. Um, That's not my life or that is my life right now. So I can't relate to any activities that are outside of that realm. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. I, I feel like I'm going through the phases with you of like, wow, our team's really good. and has a chance to actually win the Super Bowl. Holy shit. This is not something you and I have ever experienced. And I feel like it went from like in the middle of the game, excitement into like terror. You were trying to calm me down. I kept saying, this is over. I can see it. Matt's going to lead a, a huge drive. We'll talk about the Lions game in a segment here. But you called me down. You're right. You're giving me the eyes. You called me down. Uh, but then the next day was like all joy. Like I was texting you. It was just pure happiness from you. Today, I don't feel much joy from you. Like in our interactions via text and then you showing up on the Zoom call this morning, I feel a lot of like like you're on edge. And I think that means you're ready for the next step already. Oh, I am. I'm very much on edge. I'm also very, very tired. Very, very. <laughs> tired. I want to. I want. I want to make that unequivocally clear. Uh, Pierre had himself, my dog, a night last night. Kid was absolutely out of control, uh, and and kept and kept me up. Got it. Okay. Uh, noted. All right, let's move on. We have a lot of comments to get to today. We missed a ton on Friday when we did the Riley Friday episode, so we'll try to fly through as many as we can. But first, the Carter Elliott comment of the day. Let's go. Let's see what we got here. Da, 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 da. A lot of... Uh, let's see here. Oh, I actually want to ask you this question. Um, so I might have missed this. But the comment on the Michigan versus Ohio State recap legit spit my drink out all over my keyboard when cart gave an answer to a specific question bruh unless i completely misunderstood the comment that's the funniest and ballsiest thing i've ever heard a soon to be divorced man say do you remember what i said i went back and listened to it this morning because i saw that specific comment and i was like what was this uh yeah he's right he's very right uh, I'd like you to now take the opportunity to respond. The exact question I asked you was, Cart, have you ever loved something and then known pretty quickly that you shouldn't love that thing anymore? And your answer was, oh, yeah, every month. <laughs> oh, okay. That's not what I was referring to. I had other things that I was referring to that on a month-to-month basis. Wait, can you explain what those are? Because first of all, that's one of the funnier answers or funniest things you've ever said on this. And you are generational at like quick-witted humor like that. But like, what does that mean? What do you love that you realize you shouldn't love every month? (laughs) I mean, it's just like a more so like I love something and I'm like, eh, why, why do I love this? Like, 
like I think what? for December, like for December, I haven't hit it in January yet, but like in December, it was matcha lattes. I was just like, <laughs> what is this? Okay, so you like develop a new hobby, whether it's just like something to eat, something to drink, an activity to do. You develop something brand new, like a small little hobby, and then a month later, you realize you're over it. Is that the person? Yeah, or, it's, or it's not even a hobby. It's just like, I mean, I, I think back to a couple months ago, it was like placing a bet on Korean baseball before I went to bed and waking up and seeing if I won or not. Like, why did I love that? Yeah, I don't know, but I can't wait to do that in July. <laughs> I can tell you that. Um, you also, you, I noticed from coming to your house, you've been really into like TikTok drinks lately. Seems like, yeah. you just, like make a new recipe. Does that disappear in like a month? No, that's here to stay. I'm telling <laughs> okay. like, I've already got a couple like crock pot recipes saved up. Um, already got a new drink to try next time you come over. Um, I, I get very, very excited about learning about new things on there. Any response to the critics who claim your drink this week was very, very poor in taste? Yeah, I mean, I, I knew I knew it was coming. I mean, I'm not I'm not a guy who's gonna go 100 percent from the field. That's just not my game. Um, not with the way I get attempts up uh and also selection. So it is what it is. Uh I knew that coming in. I think I bounced back pretty well with a second beverage. Um, so yeah, uh no no complaints, live and learn situation. It's actually so true. In all things you do in life, you are not gonna go perfect from the field. You're you're just a high attempts guy in all facets. Yeah. And I appreciate that about you. That's good. The only thing you're not high attempts in was the cookie challenge. You were very low usage that day. Yeah. I'm also not perfect, like I said. <laughs> okay. All right, let's go to the Discord. Let's try to go back. I uh I scrolled back because we had a big discussion that uh was me versus Ryan the Lion this weekend. Uh. And- it's all it's all my fault. I didn't realize we were in the comments thread. You're not supposed to respond to comments in the comments thread. We leave comments in the comments thread for comments on the show. And Ryan Lyon and I did like 200 comments each. So I'm going to go back to before this. I think this is where we left off. If I miss anything, people, I'm sorry. Starts with Fletcher, who says, During the Santa Clara Gonzaga broadcast, the announcers got an interview with Steve Nash. He talked a lot about college basketball's current state, but what piqued my curiosity was his opinion the college basketball is much harder than the NBA. He gave his own explanation, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on if you share this sentiment and why. Uh, yeah, I just think that in the bigger picture, college basketball is just worse players than NBA players, I guess. And I and I get the sentiment that like, oh, in the NBA, they don't play any defense. It's all offense. Um, it's also just like they're better bet. Like it's just a uh, a conglomerate of better basketball players in the NBA. Uh, and I think that affects the college style. And then, the, and then you get down to things like refereeing, spacing, just actual coaching sometimes. It's just, I yeah, I just think like the, the actual NBA product, basketball product is better. I enjoy college basketball more though, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm just fixated on like the harder concept i wish i would have heard the steve nash comics i feel like it would have added some context to this um the only thing that i think is harder about college basketball for like a good basketball player than the nba would be that you're not doing basketball 100 of the time there's more distractions not that there aren't distractions in the nba too but like in the nba once it's your job it's your job like you're you're showing up to the game you're showing up to the shoot around you're showing up to practice you show up to the trainer's room, like you're you're living basketball 24-7. In college, you're not. 
like you're going to a game and then you're going to school uh, unless you're Doug or you're going to the frats or you're, you're, I don't know. Like there's just more distraction and more like bullshit that a guy who knows he's going to go to the NBA still has to go to class, still has to carry a 2.0 GPA. So um, I don't know. I think that makes an argument that college basketball is a harder experience, but if you're a good basketball player, no, I don't, I don't think college basketball should be more difficult for you on the court than the NBA. Um, trying to think of some examples, but like how often have we seen guys who dominate college just disappear in the NBA? It's very rare. You would see someone who like, wasn't a factor in college become a good player in the NBA, but like Tyler Hansbrough, Luca Garza, those dudes just, go away in the NBA after being the best player in the country. I think that speaks to why the NBA would be harder than college, in my opinion. Uh, Derek says, what combo has killed more deer? Luke Goody and Marcus Damask or Braden Smith and Cam Heidi? I, it's it's got to be Damask and Goody. And I think Goody by himself is uh, just absolute menace. <laughs> I couldn't disagree more. I think Braden Smith and anyone is the answer for me. Does Braden Smith hunt? It has to, has to. I don't think, I don't think he does. See, I think Luke Goody might hunt. He definitely hunts, but if he hunts, he might not hunt well. Like I, I'm more confident in Braden's marksmanship than I am in Luke Goody's. I'm not. Mm. Can we set this up? I mean, first of all, you got to talk about what Luke Goody's stature actually means. I think, I think he has the reach factor. I think that helps. And also, you can't tell me that Luke Goody didn't kill his first, like, deer at age five. Like, there is some old Goody family photo album right now, and he's got a six-point buck in his ear at five years – or in his hands at five years old. Like, I feel like he has that in his game. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like Luke Goody's taking the shot because he knows he's supposed to take the shot when he's out in the woods. I feel like Braden Smith is more of like a, he feels it. He is the woods. He's controlling the woods. The woods were on his terms when he's out there, you know? Do you think that Braden Smith has taken Zach Eady hunting? No, no. Braden knows how valuable Zach is. He would never put him in, in harm like that. Yeah. I hate that. Zach doesn't get put in any harm. Like we didn't get any, like we get no Edie doing thing footage. If I was a part of boiler ball, like, you know, or whatever the, social media team is i love the lance jones dance thing you could make millions of impressions and all types of things if you just had zach edy doing normal human things yeah like around campus once a week true um zach if you're listening to this which you might be unless you unfollowed me when i started making jokes at produce expense in the last couple of weeks uh we're open we're open for business we will run your social media we will be your pr team if you want, Zach, just let us know. And that's that offer extends for the next 20 years because you're going to have a long and fruitful, prosperous professional basketball career. We want to be with you every step of the way, Zachary. Uh, finally, Kurt, uh, do I sense a sleeper's bet on the horizon? Maybe like a we set up a little most dangerous game scenario with Luke Goody and Braden Smith? A most dangerous game? Y- yeah. You Do you know what I'm alluding to? Most dangerous game? No. Most dangerous game is a... I believe it's a novel that was made into a film as well, but uh, it's about hunting humans. Is that the is that the movie with Ben Affleck? I don't think so, but I think you and I could probably make a sleepers bet where the loser has to get hunted by Luke Goody and Braden Smith, and we see who's the better shooter. Uh, okay, let's move on before I comment. <laughs> no comment. 
I I would just be scared they might be more motivated to hit one of us than the other. Yeah, I shouldn't associate myself with that probably then, especially since I'd normally win the bets. I could throw this bet as a sign of solidarity, though. Okay, but I, if this actually did get down to a bet and like me and you had to be dear, I would be a lot better than you. I, you don't, you're like, I'm more, I'm more outdoorsy than you are. Yes. You would be a much better deer than I would be for sure. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. I agree. Malik Perry says, I know we can analyze why we lost, but I would like to give thanks to Greg and Carter in the discord. I don't think we can make March and I hope I'm wrong. Hopefully this game is the one to make them get their shit together because they could have won. That's wow. I think that's a rare sentimental Malik Perry post after Michigan state's loss. Uh, good news for Malik. They bounced back and got a win. I actually reached out to Malik after I saw that comment because I thought that he was hacked or that wasn't him. Like that, <laughs> that to me, that's a like, I'm in danger. I need to send a message to get the word out that I'm in danger. And he sent that message, but he did confirm that that was him. So, wow. Definitely a interesting comment by Malik, but a very level-headed one, I believe. Good on Michigan State for getting right for Malik. Malik also says, what I want for next season is a transfer portal big. If Aikens only returns from this starting five, get a five and a four. That would make this team so good. You agree? I do agree, but Malik, you're going to get nothing. So <laughs> get ready. Get ready for that. Is this like the kid who asks for a trip to the Bahamas every Christmas and gets like a ruler? Yeah. or I mean, even on a smaller scale, it's like the kid that wants like a hostess cake in his in his lunch. But his mom's like, no, here's here's carrots. <laughs> OK, Coy says, can Gonzaga get in at large? No resume. It's it's I, I mean, right now they're not a tournament team, right? I don't know. I don't know. I think the bubble's weak this year. Oh, okay. The bubble's weak. Love it. Well, like it, it is, isn't it? Yeah, no, it is. Um, and I still think they'll have opportunities to get it. Also, something in me speaks to that if they are in danger of missing it and get to the, the tournament, like the WCC tournament, they just win that. Cause that's like the Gonzaga that, that is the Zags. That's what they do. They win that yeah. tournament. It's going to get real dicey because them and St. Mary's only one's going to get in. Um, I, I will say this. I think they could get an at large. If they beat Kentucky, they still have a random game in Rupp in February. And if you win that game, I think they could finish runner-up in the WCC and get in. If you don't win that game, then no, they need to get all the way. Um, well, let's keep going here. Tristan says, which Big Ten player most reminds you of New York from Flavor of Love? Which Big Ten player reminds me of them? Mm-hmm. Probably Doug McDaniel. Yeah, that's a really good one, honestly. That's a really good yeah. one. Yeah, I like that. I'll go with Cart there. I'm going to say that's the answer. Travis says, feels like Holloman is playing well, but it was fool's gold against inferior opponents. Big-time competition the last two games, and he's cardio cups. That leaves MSU with no bench scoring, no center scoring, only four players that can put up numbers. This is the result of a poorly constructed roster. Again, a lot of these feel out of date now that Michigan State had a good performance, Holloman included. Uh, any thoughts on that one, though? Yeah, I just think that, you need to look at Trey Holloman through the co- correct lens. I think you need to look at him as a, and I know we spoke about on the recap that it, like Trey Holloman might be the team starting point guard next season. Um, I think a really good team is having Holloman like in a bench guard role. 
yeah. and you should have you should have a better option than him to play. And then having the luxury of what he can do off the bench is a good piece. Yeah, in a weird, sick Michigan-Michigan State comparison that I like to do, it's like Terrence Williams. Like, give him credit for playing well this season, but a great team or a good team has Terrence Williams off the bench no matter what, and he does these things off the bench. Give Michigan State credit, Holloman does come off the bench because you have more talented players, but he is playing really well, and it'll be interesting to see where his career goes from here. Ulamog has a YouTube comment of the day from Ulamog. Uh, this was actually from Craig Myers, though. He just screenshotted it, and it said – Purdue needs to leave the Big Ten. University of Chicago, as founder of the Big Ten, did that in 1931. The U of Chicago wins Nobels in physics and economics. Purdue is a world-class producer of engineers and computer scientists. Sports at the collegiate level is corrupt and needs to be ended. Your thoughts? Wouldn't mind it. They did ruin the Big Ten. It would be really funny if a school just left the conference. Like and Purdue just leaves and goes nowhere. They just like <laughs> operate as like Notre Dame and football, just an independent. And like every game's at Mackey, they just don't play away games. Every game's at Mackey, and they willingly opt out of the NCAA tournament every year. They'll and, and they and they'll just forfeit every away game. So they'll go like twenty and eleven, but they'll win every game at Mackey. And they will hang banners for their AP poll finishes because we know yes. how important that is to their social media team. Uh, Travis Nelson says, I'm upset that T-Will wasn't head coach this game playing close to home. Also, suspending Doug on purpose just for him to not coach in his homecoming game is insane. Fire Jawan, he's so unfair. Ha-ha, Travis. Uh, we've moved on. My team's 1-0 in their last one. Okay, I can't see anything else. Malik Perry says, I dislike that this team didn't get blown out. It's easier to say we're just not good enough, but it's not true. If MSU gets invited to the NIT, should they go or just pass it up? Should MSU go to the NIT this year, Cart? If they get invited, I think they should go. That's the most excited I've ever been for a question on this show. <laughs> Please go. Maybe. Please go, yes. please. Uh, Malik Perry says, mainly Carter. When should we give up on this team? I'm tired of fighting for these guys. <laughs> Love them, but I can only give so much. I mean, I gave up on them a while ago. I just, I support them and watch them, but I gave up my dreams and aspirations a while ago. I'm just, I'm, I'm going game by game with this team. We're in a good spot, Spartans. Hang in there. Uh, Bart 89 says, how many wins does Michigan and Michigan State have right now if Underwood is their coach? Michigan, I think, would have more wins. I will say that. Michigan would have more wins. I think Michigan State would be in the same spot. Probably maybe, maybe even worse, to be honest. If the hypothetical is built around um just like Brad inherits the roster and what can he do with them in the middle of the season, then I don't think it changes much either way. Like Michigan's biggest problem is not anything Jawan's doing in the middle of the game. There are problems there, but like the biggest problem is the roster itself. They have no depth. Jalen Llewellyn played a minute yesterday. He has to play yeah, but nine I, minutes when Doug's you, not there. Like you think, you think Brad is blowing all those big leads? I don't know what to say about it, man. Like I, I don't think there's anything the coaches are doing specifically that is causing them to blow these leads. Like Brad is not fighting John Sanderson. Brad is not letting Doug become ineligible. Probably not, but I mean, at the same time, can he control Tim Anderson? Can they beat Maryland at home? Like, 
there, there's a little bit of wildness on both sides right now. Brad has a really good roster because Brad built a really good roster. That's the difference. So if, if you were telling me like Brad could take over Michigan from the moment Hunter Dickinson hit the portal, then yeah, Michigan's way better because Brad goes out and gets some stars in the portal. But um, with this current roster, like I, I don't think there's a coach in the country who would have Michigan's current roster like in the top 25. Like I yeah. no, if Brad was your coach, Marty Sissoko is still your center. True, but I mean, you got something there. You got Olivia, you got Namari, you got, you know, Doug. Not roster's not as bad as I think you're making it seem. It doesn't have depth, but like they don't, you know, they, they don't have a bench guy at all. They don't have a bench guy, but they got four guys. Well, but like if so, I don't know. It's. I think it's a miss to be like, well, what are the coaches doing? But admitting there's no bench, like maybe the reason they fall apart late in games is because all five starters have to play 38 minutes. Yeah, like they're better. Juwan stinks. Juwan does stink, but it's why why can't we admit it's the roster and Juwan and not just like this roster should be good? No, it shouldn't. The team, the players stink. Other than Doug and Olivier, Terrence yeah. Reed, Terrence Reed's horrible. It's it's Juwan roster and whoever put roster together, which goes back to Juwan. It's Juwan, but they're like John Calipari's not coming in, and this team's twentieth in the poll. Like it's a bad team. Yeah, and I I don't think any coaches do that with Michigan State either. Like Mati Sissoko's bad. Yeah, unless you want to make the argument that Brad would scrap the centers, which he might. He might go small because he likes to go small. So. That's true then maybe, maybe that would make a difference. Here's the question from Ryan the Lion that lit our discussion on fire all weekend. Uh, he says, to flip it around, how many March Madness wins does Illinois have in the past five years if Izzo was the coach? Probably the same amount as they have right now. That was my answer. Yeah. Ryan Lyon disagreed with that. No. No way. So it's not it's not some magical lifting of the curtain that Brad falls apart in March and Tom doesn't. No, it's it's base. They would have maybe this, they would have the same amount. And if you want to like lean one way or the other, one more, one less, it's not that big of a difference. It would be the exact same. Yeah, I need I need Brad and Painter to prove all the critics wrong, just so we can kill all of this shit. Because I disagree with the narrative so much. Uh, okay, Fam says, what's the biggest game Underwood's ever won for the Illini? Ooh. I mean, I've, why do I want to feel like one of those games where they got to put up the fake piece of paper where they beat Michigan? Is that – that's got to be up there. That was definitely the moment that I think they'll remember the most. Um, yeah, I said the the biggest game Underwood's won is the collective 20-1 and record that he has against Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin, and Iowa. In the last three years, he's 20 and one against those programs. Like those teams have been good teams for the most part until this year when Michigan, Michigan state are bad. But like, I just, the dude's been nearly dominant in the big 10 outside of when they play Purdue. And I don't know, it, it, we don't have to like act like Brad's a bad coach. Cause they drew Houston in the second round. Like, come on. Uh, Tristan says the biggest upset from this, this past week, Louisville beating Miami, UCF beating Kansas or Malik beating Malik defeating Tristan in fantasy hoops. I think it's got to be UCF beating beating Kansas. I think it's Louisville. I think it's Louisville. Both, 
both two bad teams beating maybe teams that aren't as good. I don't know. Louisville on the road is more surprising to me than UCF being a home wolf beating Kansas. That is true. Home home wolf does factor in. Yeah, I'd probably go Louisville too. You changed my mind. Forever says, what are the most disappointing things so far in the Big Ten basketball season? Example, Xavier Booker, Deshaun Harris-Smith, Juwan Howard's ability to control himself. I would just go freshman as a whole. Like every freshman down the down the list in the Big Ten, you you let everyone down. Yeah, the the most surprising bad things to me are how bad Maryland is, the freshman as a whole, and Doug McDaniel being suspended for academic reasons. Those are my three biggest disappointments. Uh, Ryan Alliance says, hope you guys both had a blast with all the sports memories this weekend. What was the most memorable moment of uh, the weekend, whether it's MSU, the Lions, or just pre-post game? Oh, Lions, easily. Any yeah. specific moment from the Lions day for you that will be memorable? Um, that last pass to I'm on Ross St. Brown on the comeback on third down and completes the pass. And then like, we realize, oh shit, we're going to take a knee to win this game. Jared Goff's going to the sideline, hyping up with Dan Campbell. I'm looking around me, me and my dad are hugging and yelling and screaming. I'm yelling for Stafford to go be a family man. Like it was, it was a nostalgic moment. Yeah, uh, I had the same experience on the opposite side of the stadium, but hugs and the mental math on it, can they take a knee now? And then just the yeah. relief of, oh, my God, they actually did it. Um, yeah, and I, the one thing I will truly not ever forget is, uh, honestly, the Jared Goff chance. Like, whoever coordinated that effort to get that stadium that loud from start to finish, approaching that game of just, we're going to chant our quarterback's name. And that's going to be it. And it clearly had such a big mental swing on everything. Uh, you saw how much it meant to Goff. Like, I am I will never get that out of my memory ever. Uh, Ryan the Lion said uh, – he has a bunch here. We're just going to go rapid fire from Ryan here. Not including Sabaro, what's your favorite pizza? No cheese or pepperoni. has to be more than that. Uh, if I'm going chain, I'm going Jets every single time. Uh, outside of chain in Metro Detroit area, give me Grandma Bob's in Corktown. Como's in Ferndale or Green Lantern pizza. Como's is good. I've had Como's with you. Um, good. Uh, chain Jets, for me, chain, chain for me, either Jets or Hungry Howie's. Um, Jets Howie's is underrated. Jets New York style is really good. I like the deep dish Jets too, but I'm, I'm more of a New York style pizza fan in general. But um, yeah, I don't know. I don't have like a fancy pizza I love. Like there's not a ton of those like in Kalamazoo. Uh, there's a place called Martini's that makes really good, just like, I don't know, oven, pizza, oven, pizza. Brick, brick, wood fire brick oven pizza. Yeah. But outside of that, like, I'm, I I like chain pizza. Uh, Ryan then says, more hypothetical matchups to 21. Winner takes ball. Greg and Dickinson versus Carter and TSJ. Yeah, I think me and T, I think me and TSJ take that. I think you guys win uh, because you would exploit me more than anything. Like you would be the smartest move would be for TSJ to be like, let Carter eat and cook me. And there's nothing I could do uh, with that said, you'd have to score from outside. I think in this, cause Dickinson could just stand there. Wait, Hunter's checking me, right? I don't think so. I, they're not putting me on Terrence. No. I don't think you want to put Hunter on me. <laughs> uh, Malik Hall versus Dante Scott. Malik Hall versus Dante Scott. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, that's just a Spider-Man meme pointing at each other. Maybe Dante Scott? Dante know. Scott is the better player. Three prime LeBron Jameses versus 2019 Duke. Uh, That's a fun one. Yeah, it is. I think I go 2019 Duke, maybe. They're just going to uh, have more players. It's five on three. Yeah, I think that's the right answer, too. Magic Johnson and Zach Eady versus Kevin McCullough and Akeem Olajuwon. Uh, <laughs> who was the first person? Was it Magic? Magic and Edie. I think I go. I think I go with the team with McCullough and Olajuwon. Interesting. I'm gonna go Magic and Edie. I think they they have the best player and Zach Edie. I like that. Uh, more rapid fire from Ryan, and then he followed all this up with "That's all. I'm drunk. Go Lions. Go Green. I love you all." Rapid fire questions because he wants his fans to hear them. He knows his fans want to hear them. Favorite TV show? That's so tough. Um. I'll just go right at this moment. Uh, entourage. Good show. Uh, it's either Breaking Bad or if I'm going comedy, I'll give a shout to It's Always Sunny. Great show. Uh, I need favorite, to watch great show. F- favorite college mascot, not including Sparty? I did say this already, but it's the Stanford tree. Yeah, we gave love to the uh, the Miami, whatever it's called, too. Yeah, the toucan, the seagull, whatever it is. Yeah, whatever that thing is. Most iconic Discord member, uh, he says, no guy, no Carter, no Greg. For me, it's Malik. For me, it's Melba. <laughs> it's just, just got to be Melba. And Ryan said that, too. He said, shout out, Melba, goat Discord member. All right, uh, two more quick ones, then we'll get to the segments. Travis Nelson, where does first half Michigan rank in the AP poll? They have to be top 10 in the country. No, they're still not that good. They're top 25 in the country first half, but they're still a bad basketball team. I don't even think they're top 25. I just think the Big Ten's that bad. Like, ooh, we led Indiana and Iowa by two at half. Like, come on. All these teams stink. Everybody's bad. It is crazy they lead in the first half a lot, but everybody's bad. Tristan Freeman says, to follow that question, can second half Michigan beat Detroit Mercy, who is currently winless? Yes. Is it at home or is it on the road? It doesn't matter. Yes. If it's on the road and Doug's not there, Detroit Mercy would win. Stop. They're not winning a game in Callahan Hall? No. That's crazy. Jalen Llewellyn was on a bike the entire game, this game. And he has to play 40 minutes, the games that Doug can't play. It's the most insane thing I've ever seen. Like, he's he's physically unfit to play competitive basketball. And because Doug just can't open a book, he has to play 40 minutes once every two games. It's insane. All right, thanks to the Discord. Join the Discord. Link in the description of every video that we do. Uh, let's get to our topics today. We're starting, of course, our Detroit Lions cart. Uh, we are now in a position where we have Baker Mayfield as the threat coming into our house, standing in between us and an NFC championship appearance. The bracket has broken out as perfectly as it could have for Detroit to the point it almost scares me. I'm getting the sense. I say this all the time in the NCAA tournament. You need luck. You need a draw. You need things to break your way to win a championship. Michigan football just won a championship with a huge break. Georgia didn't make the playoff. Shit like that happens. And then you capitalize and you win. Lions don't have to go to Dallas. Now they're back at home. They don't even have to play a running quarterback, which has been their kryptonite. They have to play Tampa, who looked incredible against Philly. We'll do a preview on that later this week, I'm sure. This is much more about where they're at. We got our first playoff win. The moment against Matt Stafford was huge. Uh, you and I were both in the building. How are you feeling about everything? 
before I get into this, Greg, what quarterback stands between us and an NFC championship game? Baker Mayfield. It's, it's 2024 too, right? Uh, yes, it is 2024. Okay. Just had to, had to make sure. Um, it is going to take some extreme, extreme, extreme self look in the mirror humbleness to not get fat and sassy this week um, because I know what is on the horizon with that team. But I think that there was some type of, and I, I hate that now this has become a, a staple of Sleepers Media episodes. There were some demons exercised by the Detroit Lions in that in that football game that they won against the Rams. Uh, the storyline was there. The crowd was into it. Stafford was throwing for 400 yards. I'm getting texts from you that Stafford is going to break our hearts at the end. It almost looked like he might do it, but we got past it and we made enough throws. And Jared Goff missed the comeback route to Josh Reynolds to extend the drive on the last one. Comes back the next drive and throws a dart to Amon Ross St. Brown to end the game. And David Montgomery makes a play to stay in bounds to get a first down. And you know, we milk the clock and end up with the ball at the end of the game and are in victory formation. It's just, it's it's very, very hard to be level-headed when you look at it, like you said, the bracket is opening up for us. Like, it, we're, we're feeling really good. And even to get more fat and sassy about it, God forbid Jordan Love actually might be the one. Who knows what he does when he goes up in San Francisco? I get the 49ers are extremely, extremely good. But there is a world where we're hosting an NFC championship game and had the Packers coming back to Ford Field. Yeah, we can't look ahead yet, but you're right. You're absolutely right. Don't want to look ahead like that yet because we the Tampa Tampa cooked against Philly. So I and counter counterpoint, who is not cooking that Philly defense? Not many teams right now. But I mean I'm, they, I'm just, they let David Moore and Trey Palmer. All I'm saying is I'm not looking past Tampa right now. I'm not looking past them. I'm looking at them. Do I feel good looking at them? Yes. But am I willing to look past them and be like, it's Tampa, come on, let's go Green Bay? No. Uh, Baker Mayfield is Baker Mayfield. They have elite receivers. Mike Evans terrifies me. Uh, I think the tight end Otten's been playing well. I think Trey Palmer's been playing well. There's also a thing I saw that when he tweets something in the morning, all five times he's tweeted it, he scored a touchdown that day. So I'm really afraid of that. That's like a, just a huge, scary thing for me. Uh, but yeah, it's about as good of a, a break as you, you get to the divisional round. You're supposed to play a good opponent. So we're not going to complain that we're at home against Tampa Bay. Um, we need to back it up. Back to the game we were both at, though. This was the Matt Stafford game. Uh, a lot was made of it throughout the week. I think... Depending on who you ask in the Lions fan base, you would get a lot of different answers. You would get Lions fans who are like, F that guy. He stinks. I want to boo him and his kids. Then you would get a fan who's like, I love Matt Stafford. I could never boo him. I want my team to win, but I would never boo him. Uh, Where did you land on the spectrum personally with Matt Stafford in this game? I mean, Matt Stafford was an op the minute that the playoff draw came out. Let that be known. Um if there was a Stafford on the field or a Stafford in the stands, they were getting booed. In 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 my opinion, I was booing extremely loudly at every Stafford family member that was uh, available and in my eyesight. Um, were, but at the so same, you were you were booing Matt Stafford's kids. Kelly Stafford brought her family onto the field and walked with them around the whole football field 
And there was a lot of booze sent in the Stafford family direction. Don't know who it was directed at, but it was of we were basically booing the Stafford family tree. Who were your booze directed at? My booze my booze are directed at the Stafford family. Which includes the children. Your booze were not directed at Kelly. I was just booing at the Stafford family members. I there you can divide it up the booze up evenly however you want to do it, but I was booing at the family. Whoever received it, that is what it is. But I can also say I I love Matthew Stafford. But also like in that game, I came in with the mentality, F him. Like I, I want I want him. Like I want I want him to hit the turf. When Hutchinson and Aleem McNeil smacked him, I felt joy. I loved seeing that. I don't care. He was an op. Now I now after the game, I stepped back and I was like, damn, like Stafford, that, that dude was really good. Like I think he threw for like 375 yards, something like that. Throwing it all over the field. Puka Nakua is unreal. Like that's he's ridiculous how good he is. Um, and Stafford's just really like he's a really good quarterback. And we took Stafford's best punch, I think, and we came out on top. And there was a little bit of bend, don't break with the defense. Like we let them get down to like the 10 yard line, but they weren't punching it in. So yeah, I, I you know, I think it's credit to the Detroit defense for having kind of that bend, don't break mentality. Yeah, I was impressed with the way they kept holding the field goals. Ultimately, that's how they won the game without uh multiple stops in the red zone, they lose the game. I kept saying, I said it before the game, I felt it during the game. I kept saying if the ball was in Matt's hands down less than a score with a chance to win the game, he was going to win the game. I was wrong. Ultimately, that didn't happen. Now, I have some questions. Uh, I think he might have been concussed, like very clearly concussed. Um, (laughs) Now, the Lions defense also played well. But, uh, yeah, that hit was scary. The eyes in the back of the head was scary. You catch that on camera. And Matt Stafford's going to do what Matt Stafford does. He's never coming out of a football game that matters this much. So he Classic. Classic Stafford. He's just tough, man. He's tough. He was fine. You think so? He's all he's he's got a little bit of me milk it. Like I want storyline in him. He was fine. Interesting. Okay, so you've really turned on this guy in a way that I, I don't haven't turned on him at all. I love Matt Stafford. I don't I think always, there was a thing about him milking that at all. I I mean we we've seen like the the Stafford storyline before. He did in Detroit all the time. He loves to get hurt and come back and lead a fake comeback and come up short. Honestly, that was, that was Matt Stafford in all his glory right you're there. Right. That's, a, right. that's the Stafford I know and love. It was, you're right. And we are now on the opposite side of it. Uh, what do you think of Matt's post-game podium comments? He was asked uh, basically word for word, like, hey, Sean McVay said he was happy for Jared Goff. Uh, how, how do you feel for the city of Detroit? And he said, oh, I'm happy for the players. That was it. I, I, I think I might have missed it. I don't get what's what the uproar is about that. So you think like that's a fair fair response from him in yeah. response to the way Detroit treated him? Yeah. If I was Matt Stafford in that situation, I probably would have done the same. Okay. So yeah, you and I are just very all over the place on how we feel about all this. I thought that was pretty weak from Matt. Um, I'm not like upset about it or anything, but I think like I think it would was very very easy. For him to just be like, those fans have waited for this so long. Like, I'm happy for him. That's all he had to say. Or like, I know it means a lot. Like, that's a big moment. Congrats to them. 
And instead, it was like, I'm not even going to address the fans, which is totally fair. I get it. The fans booed him. I thought you can tell me you feel differently. I didn't sit by you. I didn't hear exactly what you said from my vantage point and who was around me. I thought the fans took it incredibly easy on Matthew in this game. Like I, I expected a little more like F you chance in his direction. And instead there was none of that. Did he get like a pregame montage? No, of course not. It's a playoff game, but the, the bulk of the chance that were even directed in anyone from the Stafford family's way of this game was just Jared Goff chance. And like, I, yeah, it's, it, it, it's it, it was more so it, it was just booze more than anything. I didn't even hear that many booze, man. Like I, oh, I there, oh there was, there was booze raining down around okay. me. There were, there were yells, obviously, like when anytime the Rams were on offense, like, yeah, of course we're booing and screaming and trying to be like a raucous crowd. But I, I truly did not see many pointed Matt Stafford boo moments in this game. It was a lot more just Jared Goff chance. And maybe that's just us sitting in different vicinities of, or, or elements of the stadium, but I don't know. I, I thought it could have been a lot worse. And for Matt not to be able to just acknowledge what the moment means to Detroit, like it, Every little action that he takes here, like it or not, is going to define how we remember him at this point. We Nobody asked for this to be the situation, except for Matt Stafford when he did verbalize that he was ready to leave Detroit. That was part of this. But uh, look, we're not upset about it. We got the better end of the deal. They got the better end of the deal. It was a win-win. Everybody's happy. But at this point, like, how will Matt be remembered in the future in this city is defined by how he treats the city. And... He made a very pointed choice in the post game to make it very clear he's not happy for the fans and for the city of Detroit. And he's going to have to deal with just like if it, clearly it matters to him how we remember him. Otherwise, he wouldn't do that. We're not going to remember you fondly after a moment like that. It's not going to happen. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, at the same time, I can see why he's frustrated when he doesn't have generational prime Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey to carry him and drag him to a Super Bowl. Uh, he just goes back to the same Matt Stafford that he always was. Real bitter from you. Interesting. Real bitter. I mean, I, I just I don't concern myself with quarterbacks that lose playoff games. Like, isn't that why? Isn't that why you play the position? You've been on or, top. You've been on top for six days, and this is the energy. It's crazy. Not even six days. Like this is insane energy. I, I, all I'm saying is, he that won a Super Bowl. He did. He did win a Super Bowl, but there's a very different. Uh, the 24 hours from my team's quarterback looked a lot different yesterday than the 24 hours from the Stafford's family quarterback from okay. the other team's quarterback. I just I the the carried by generational guys is Puka Nakua generational. He being carried to 180. Oh, no, no, no. Yards I'm talking about uh, the, no. He got the Super Bowl. He was carried. Oh, I know. But so what? Like this this year, Puka's carrying Matt. Isn't it much no. more that Matt Stafford is creating generational receivers with his this play? Is, this is and and where and where did that get him? Okay, all right, home. Okay. It got him a, a road loss to Detroit because we're a better football team. Yeah, go clean out your locker. You're acting. It's crazy. All right. Uh, on the flip side of this, the one thing that I am taking away very proudly from this game and the the flip side of the Matt Stafford stuff is. I'm very thankful for Jared Goff. Um, I've had some time to let this settle in a little bit. And the conversation with Goff in Detroit is always a big one long-term. It's like, is he the guy? Should we be giving him a huge contract? Should we not? Can you win a Super Bowl with him? I don't know. Maybe we'll find out this year. Maybe we won't. I will say this. 
it's very clear both what happened in this game and what happened around it and after and the way they handled themselves. It's very clear. Jared Goff is the city of Detroit. That guy is like the embodiment of what this city is in such a weird way because you would never expect it. You would never look at like the blonde-haired, tan dude from the West Coast and be like, that's a Detroit guy. This man's story of his life is literally like the story of the city of Detroit card. Like everybody looked at him from the outside and just like kind of shrugged and was like, yeah, don't want that. Not a good place. Not a good quarterback. Not it. Can't win with them. It's toxic. It's bad. Uh, and he could have made a big stink about it. He could have flamed out, but instead like he didn't. And I think he's a leader in a way that Matt Stafford never was. He's not an arm talent like Stafford, but he's a damn good quarterback who I think resonates with a locker room in a captivating way, in a way Matt Stafford never has. Like Matt Stafford's like, oh, just get me the rock and I'll get my yards and I'll get us there. Jared Goff's like, no, like I'm just going to emotionally lead us. Like you can see how much it matters to him without it ever being the Jared Goff show. Uh, I think he's the perfect quarterback at this moment in time for this team. When he's protected, he's flawless. He was 22 for 22, I believe, passing in this game when there was no pass rush. Like, credit to the offensive line. They've been great. Credit to Amon Ross St. Brown. He's been great. But I think you can win a Super Bowl with Jared Goff. I thought the way he handled himself in this moment was huge. And uh, everyone wanted the Stafford revenge narrative and forgot the fact that this was a Jared Goff revenge game. This was him against the franchise that – didn't want him that openly said he wasn't good enough. And Jared Goff didn't make it about him this week. This game was about him and him overcoming the demons in a way that Matt Stafford couldn't. Yeah. And he, and he stated so in the press conferences leading up to this, he's like, yes, I, I do notice the situation. I, I understand like the, all the narratives around it, but this is for like a city. This is for the city of Detroit. This is for a team and a fan base that hasn't experienced anything like this in 30 years like that's a long ass time my whole lifespan has never experienced something like this and for him to come out there and even to break it down even more poetically like say what you want Stafford had a chance to make a throw say what you want about what happened on the defensive end of that throw he didn't make the throw he didn't make the connection to Puka Nakua he didn't Jared Goff certainly made his connection to Amon Ross St. Brown for an eight-yard game to end the game I'm just, I'm just saying, just throwing it out there. Yeah. Yeah. In the end, um, I don't know. I, he's just the right guy. He's the right guy at the right time for this city and this team. And uh, in a way that quite frankly, Matt Stafford could never be, even if he was the, the, the better arm, the talent, all that shit. I don't think Matt Stafford would be the right quarterback for this group of guys, the way that Jared Goff has been. So credit to him. I feel very thankful for him. Uh, any final thoughts on Lions before we move on? Uh, I just hope all the Rams enjoy their offseason plans. All right. Jesus Christ, man. Let's move on. Uh, Jim Harbaugh. Wow. SoFi merchants. Jim Harbaugh interviewed with the Los Angeles Chargers yesterday. Uh, this is... I believe the first public interview that we've heard of, it's an interview that we uh, expect to be the first of a few. There's been rumors of him to other destinations in the NFL as well. Las Vegas being one for a while. There were Chicago rumors. There had been Seattle rumors. I don't know where any of that's going, but uh, the chargers seem like the, 
the most pointed possibility right now. John U. Bacon. First time I think we've ever uh, referenced that name on this show. John U. Bacon. Is that a real person? Yeah, he's like a Michigan. He's an author and he's a Michigan. I'm going to try and choose my words carefully for any of our Michigan audience that finds this. But he's a Michigan fan and an author who uh, sometimes operates as a Michigan insider slash reporter. He had a tweet in the last 12 hours that says this. The Harbaugh-Michigan negotiations are at an impasse, at least for now. It isn't money, plenty there, but the clauses, what should be covered by immunity, example, cheeseburgers, and whatnot, therein lies the rub. Stay tuned. First off, thank you for such a cryptic, lovely tweet there. Uh, therein lies the rub. Fantastic. Uh, second off, do you buy this at all? Do you buy that the, there's an impasse here where Michigan – is refusing to grant certain negotiated things that Jim Harbaugh is seeking for or, or, or to stay at Michigan and Michigan won't grant them. Uh, I I don't buy that at all. I I don't. I think that coming off the year that he had doing what he did for Michigan this year, I don't see why something like that would be the holdup. The only holdup would be like a money year thing. I think everything else outside of that, like what he wants to do and how he wants to operate, there's no way that's the actual holdup. Yeah, and I think the the money's been there, right? There were rumors of the 10-year extension and money being there. Um, two things for me on this. I think it's it's hilarious how often – I think this is kind of heavier at Michigan, but I think it happens at a lot of different college – universities and how people cover sports it's hilarious to me how people can make news out of no news like they're literally this update is that john u bacon knows nothing but he's presenting it as if it's news that he knows that he's sharing with people and the update is like nobody knows what's going on and michigan does it better than anybody i've seen like we don't know what's happening but we this is what we know you don't know shit just say you don't know shit uh, Michigan State has had this happen at times with the way they cover the football program as well with all the chaos in the past couple of years. But it just happens all over the place, and it frustrates the hell out of me. Like, you don't have to pretend you're newsbreakers when you don't have news. My read on this situation is Jim Harbaugh is a weird man. He's a weird individual who, for a variety of reasons, loves being at Michigan, the brand, the place he played. He has a lot of love for Michigan and what Michigan means. I don't think he loves the people he works for. I don't think he loves the way the administration has handled anything. And I think that's obvious. I think it's been obvious this whole time. I said it throughout this season. This was going to be his last year. I strongly believe that. I believe that because of the relationship that I see between Jim Harbaugh and the people he works with and for the administration. Like it's, there's been, a lot there when when he puts the football program in a position where there might be sanctions and there's investigations and the way Michigan handled those in a way that Jim Harbaugh openly didn't love like there's friction there's clear friction there so when we talk like is he going to be back is it a contract what are they waiting for the reason why there's such a big question mark here is something that's not changing Jim Harbaugh is happy at Michigan he's unhappy with the people he works for that's not changing so I don't think there's going to be like a magic golden goose here where like Ward Manuel offers something. There's friction. The friction's not going to go away. 
And Jim is now vetting other opportunities because of that friction. And if Jim gets a better job offer where he feels more personally excited about that being his future path, he's going to take it. It has nothing to do with what Michigan can offer, what Michigan grants immunity to. Like that, that is not something I think will affect this. Michigan has made their biggest offer, been doing everything they can to keep Jim Harbaugh. Painting this as if Michigan football might not be going all the way to keep Jim Harbaugh is insane. Of course they are going all the way to keep the coach that just won a national championship. It's just truly what Jim Harbaugh wants in his heart. And he's a weird dude. So what he wants in his heart might be something totally random. It might be something that makes sense. Uh, and my strong bet is that it's not staying at Michigan. That's my strong belief as it's been all season long is that this guy wants to go get an NFL job and he's likely going to get it. Yeah. And, and also if I am putting myself in, you know, his, his khakis, like I would leave too. Like you did it. You went undefeated. You quote unquote beat the NCAA, like in 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 the eyes of Michigan fans. Um, you know, you you got to the mountaintop. You did what you wanted to do. Why are you staying? And also, like your your prodigal son, uh, John James McCarthy, JJ, as some refer to him, is gone. So, like, why why is he staying? Yeah, it did it got a good laugh for me when I was watching all the celebration stuff, and he would be like. The leader, the heart of this team, J.J. McCarthy and Blake Corum. And like, like Blake Corum is the best player on this team, man. I don't know what's going through Jim's head on all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. He's a weird dude. That's what it comes down to. And, uh, yeah, just stop. Please, for the love of God, everybody involved, stop framing this as if, like, Michigan's holding back from what Jim wants. No, they're not. No, they are not. Like, Jim just might not want this. That's all it is. Yeah. Can I make one last comment on this before we move on? Yeah. Has it always been a thing that teams tweet out that they're going to interview or have completed interviews with coaches? I don't know. That announcement from the Chargers was crazy. That's it, it's it's what a couple teams now. Like the Falcons did it with Belichick too. I didn't know that was a thing. Hey, some high name prestigious coaches, right? Like when you have a high profile interview, I guess that's the cool thing to do these days, right? Hopefully all those guys get hired, all the positions are taken up so we can keep Ben Johnson. Yeah, for real. That would be nice. Uh, how do you feel about middle initials, by the way? Are you like like John U. Bacon? Like, should you be like Carter A. Elliott? Uh, if I had a cooler letter, uh, I'm all for like using that middle middle initial. U is a pretty cool letter for that purpose, I feel like. Yeah, but the, the first and last name kind of ruined the U. Eh, okay, let's move on. Uh, like if it was John Bacon, I might be kind of in. Okay, there's a new college basketball AP poll that was released. We were waiting on this. This was the first time in a while that uh, we weren't sure what was going to happen. There was a possibility that a bunch of different teams could have been the new number one. Ultimately, there is a new number one. UConn is the number one team in the country for the first time since 2009. Purdue falls to number two. Kansas at three. North Carolina at four. They got one first place vote, did the Tar Heels, and then Houston at five. Uh, you're shaking your head already. Your thoughts on the latest AP poll? I, I just don't understand how Kansas is the number three team in the country. Yeah, weird one after the last week they had. The the loss at UCF and almost lost to TCU. Like, I guess that was a week and a half ago, but it's dicey. Yeah, I guess, I guess you can't factor in the almost loss, but I, I see no world where North Carolina should be behind Kansas. And to be honest with you, 
you know, not to pull hairs or pull strings, whatever that phrase is. I know I'm going to get it wrong. And I know someone's going to point out that I got it wrong. Uh, UConn getting 39 first place votes and Purdue getting 20. That seems off to me. That should have been a lot closer. Maybe, maybe. Um, who would you have voted number one? Uh, uh, I mean, I probably would have put UConn number one. Um, shit, honestly, recency bias, I would have made an argument for North Carolina number one, but I think I would have kept UConn up there, but the first place votes thing would have been closer in my eyes. Okay, so you, you're you happy with UConn at one, even though you don't feel like there should be separation. Yeah, I'm I'm like yeah, I guess uh, yeah, I'm ha- I'm okay. Okay, I would have had Purdue one. I don't really understand the justification for UConn ahead of them. Purdue has a better resume. Uh, they have better wins. They have a lot more better wins. Um, I think their losses are similar in caliber. I, to me, this is just recency. That's all it is, right? Is it just who's lost most recently? Is that how the poll works? I, I I don't I cannot even begin to tell you how the AP poll even operates to be honest with you. I think it's just that. I think it's just like who lost most recently. So UConn, like if you just rearrange the order of losses with the exact same game results here, I think Purdue's one and UConn's two. Yeah. Can I can I say one last thing about the AP poll? Yes. Just visually, off name alone, and I apologize to anyone that this hurts, but it must be said, like. Can I read teams 15 through 25 in the AP poll? Yes. Just just name. Just 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 name. Just take this in. Oklahoma, Utah State, Marquette, Creighton, TCU, BYU, Dayton, Ole Miss, FAU, Iowa State, Texas Tech. So basically the whole like, 12. <laughs> like, like, come on, hoops. Come we're on. Just, we're just going to put the entire Big 12 in here. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, we're cooked. We're cooked. That's my takeaway. It's not good. Um, I don't know. That's on us, I think. That's on the Big 10. There, there's nobody from the Big 10 trying to crack their way in there right now. Shout out to Wisconsin and Illinois for being good enough to avoid that. But yikes, things are bad right now. Um for the record, the way I would have voted the top five is as such, Car, I would have voted Purdue one, UConn two, North Carolina three. I think they should have gotten a lot more love than they have thus far. Uh, I would then go Houston four, Kentucky five. That's where I would have I like, landed. I like that. All right. We can slap the sleeper's name on that because I think that's what I'd go to. Open and shut. Call us, AP, if you ever need anything. We're here. We're available. Don't worry. Uh, okay, one big thing presented by Big B. What do you got? Uh, my one big thing is that if you are of able body and able financially and live in a cold area, and I know Greg hates this, get yourself an automatic starter for your car. It works wonders. You've done this one big thing like four times. <laughs> Have I actually? Yes. Oh, okay. I'm very tired. No, I mean, do it, but I just – is this a bit at this point that you keep doing this? <laughs> No, it's not a bit. So I'll switch this up. Um, I probably done this one too. But for everyone out there who's a coffee lover, buy yourself an espresso machine. Those are those are great, great items. 
All right, man. <laughs> My one big thing is uh, I went to bed at 7 p.m. last night, and I feel great. <laughs> Damn, that sounds amazing. Yeah, I'm sorry. I went to bed uh, and as there was a little bit like mid-fourth quarter of the Pittsburgh game. And then uh, I was texting you a little bit, in and out of sleep, fell asleep, woke up midway through the fourth quarter of the Bucks game, checked all my bets, hit a lot of my bets, went back to sleep for eight more hours. It was so good. That's amazing. Were you in, were you in bed before Murph? No, I'll put Murph down and then immediately uh, – I did Murph, then shower, then bed. It was a nice little routine. Okay, that's my one big thing. The shower bed combo, like shower directly to bed, is a top five feeling. It's a direct result on your sleep performance, I think, if you uh, feel clean as you get in bed. All right. Maybe we can uh, arrange that for you somehow today, Card. I feel like you, you deserve some rest. So, How many times do you shower a day? At least one. Always at least, at least one. one. Yeah. Okay. I, I have been a two-shower-a-day guy from time to time, and I I don't like to proudly admit that, but it's true. Okay. All right. Just, don't, just wanted to know. How many do you? I mean, I'm minimum two. Uh, minimum two a day. Probably most of the time, three. That's a lot of sh- – like, hold on. Why do you need to shower three times a day? I always shower in the morning. Um, just like a wake-up shower? Just like a I wake-up slash I don't want to go out into the world dirty shower. Um. And then always like after work slash like gym, probably shower in there. So that there's your two usually. And then sometimes I just like to hop in the shower before bed. Honestly. Interesting. Okay. It's a lot of water. I respect it. Yeah, the, yeah, the Elliott water bill is definitely a lot higher than it should be because of me. All right. Join us on the next episode of the Sleepers Podcast that's coming tomorrow. Purdue, Indiana tonight. Good luck. Big rivalry game. We'll have a recap up on the channel later. Have a good day, everybody. Goodbye. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.